Welcome to Stories of Hope. This podcast segment is part of Michael Crossan's itinerant preaching ministry. The Stories of Hope segments are a collection of interviews from various people from all walks of life who share their stories about how they discovered God's hope and purpose in life's darkest hours. I pray that these stories bless you and encourage you and help you in your walk with Jesus Christ. The start which was led upon my heart and it's to reach everyone with the hope of the gospel, young, mature and old at heart, as for all ages, all ages from a child all the way up to their ni- uh, person up to their 90s. And I have the privilege of interviewing people from all walks of life, all backgrounds, all over the world. So I want to thank Bill Dunn for coming on and sharing his story. And you're in for a treat. His life has been described as a musical journey. So Bill, tell us about yourself, where you come from, and who you are, basically. Yeah. Well, I'm from East Belfast, originally. Uh, many years ago, of course, that was. I come from um, the uh, area called Bloomfield. Yeah. That's in the east of the city of Belfast. I grew up, um, uh, the student I grew up in, there's quite a few, you know, talented people from that yep. era. Like mm-hmm. in the same street we lived together, there was yep. the uh, broadcaster George Jones. Yep. We were boys growing up together mm-hmm. uh, very early and uh, got into music early on. I mean, right back to the 19, uh, early 1950s when uh, the guitar began to be, you know, become popular. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it all came through a set of music called skiffle music. Yeah, no, well, my dad introduced me to skiffle when I was a baby. All right, right. <laughs> yeah, well, usually when I mention that, uh, today's generation, and when I say today's generation, even the 30s, I wouldn't even know about it, you know, uh, 30 year olds. But it was just simply like uh, a folk type music. Yeah. And when it came the from America. Yeah, the washboards and the stand up bass. Right. Yeah, you, you, uh, you made your own music. Mm-hmm. Like, it, there's a couple, it's just cheap guitars uh, we had. And uh, then, of course, in those days, there were no washing machines. Yeah. So your mum used a, on a Monday, she'd do the washing, and there'd be a scrubbing board, a washboard. So that was used, you know, somebody played that with thimbles, and then yep. you, you made, you made a, a, a base out of tea chest, a broom handle, and a string. Yep. And we used to stand at the street corner, uh, George Jones, and then just around the corner from us, mm-hmm. another week guy friend called Van Morrison, don't know if you heard of him. Van oh, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know him personally, I wish I did, because he's very I know, good. I know. <laughs> yeah, well, we grew up together, you know, um, like very, I, I'm about two years older than Van, mm-hmm. and Wars, I think's about a year younger than I. So mm-hmm. we're all in that sort of age bracket where, you know. But anyway, it started with skiffle music, and uh, the king of skiffle was a guy called Lonnie Donegan. Mm-hmm. How, how that came about was he was a jazz player, you know, yeah. and a jazz man, and uh, they'd have a break, the band would have a break. This was in England, mm-hmm. and so Lonnie came up with the idea. Uh, during the interval, that's great to do a few songs. Mm-hmm. And they just got the bass player, the drummer, he and the guitar, and they began to sing these. They're actually American folk songs. Yeah. Really, you know, country folk songs. And it really kicked off. I mean, mm-hmm. it became big time in about 1955, 
-hmm. just before rock and roll came on the scene. Yeah. In fact, all all the well-known names, even the uh, the Beatles. Yeah. Um, the were the back in the day. Uh -huh. They all uh, did back. They even talk about it that mm -hmm. they started with uh, with skiffle music. Were, did you grow up in a musical family? Like, what was your upbringing? Bringing, like, was your parents musical? Did you hear music in church? Like, when was yeah. the first time you heard a guitar and you thought, well, I want to play that? Like, what was yeah. that drove you? Well, very early on, about seven years of age, mm -hmm. the type of music way back then was quite drab, you know, especially from the United UK. But America, yeah. there's a guy called Al Jolson. Yeah, and he used to do vaudeville stuff, and mm -hmm. I, I took on to his voice. Mm -hmm. I used to do impersonations. Now, there's no musicians in my family. I was the first one. Uh -huh. did, everybody in the family could sing. Mm -hmm. We were all singers. Like my dad had a voice, but and my brother had a great voice. Even a sewing machine was a singer, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, we all could sing. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was the first one. Uh, it's just that when the the guitar came out. Uh, way back as I said, the fifties, I uh, I got a, a little ukulele, four string. Well, I'm glad you said ukulele. I have my ukulele downstairs. My niece got me it for Christmas. I love the ukulele. It's my favorite oh. instrument. You're my hero right now for oh. saying that. <laughs> very very popular, you know. Um, yeah. What do you, one of the Beatles? Uh, what do you call him? Uh, he was the president of the George, ukulele. George Harrison. President yeah. of the George Foreman. Exactly. He was the, you know, and so I started with that four strings, you know, and I was the first in the street to have this because back then, uh, people talk about money's hard today. See, back in the 50s, even before that, it was even more difficult. Oh, like wow. today, you, buy, you get anything on, you know, on the on a card, but back then, even credit was very, because you didn't have the money. So mm -hmm. we all, George and Van and I, we sort of put, you know, makeshift guitars, but I was the first to get the ukulele. And then mm -hmm. my parents, my mom and dad saw I was serious. Mm -hmm. And so they bought me my first guitar, a little cheap guitar. And uh, now I can't read a note of music. Mm -hmm. But God gave me a voice, gave me an ear. I could pitch a song. If you started a song, I could pitch it right away. And uh, so I, uh, there's, a, there's a guy down at the bottom of uh, Bluefield Avenue and uh, he was teaching chords, you know, just chords. Mm -hmm. And I went there for a, a few times. And very quickly, I picked it up right away. And I was doing all the chords and all the rest. And he says, what, first song? Could, hmm? what was the first song you learned? First song? Well, probably a little skiffle was. Takes a worried man to sing a worried song. It takes a worried man. Lonnie Donegan had yeah. another one brought it. Does your chewing gum lose its flavor on the bed post overnight? Like some of the songs are crazy. Yeah. But they're all innocent songs. You really because yeah. you're only in it for the music, mm -hmm. not for other stuff, you know, like since uh, like music has, has changed tremendously. Some bad stuff, some great stuff, you know. And as I say, now skiffle never lasted long. Oh, of course. Because you have this this great sound that came across from America, and uh, everybody just got caught up. That's right, President. And really, we were just caught up, and then you had the Ebley brothers. Oh, I love this ring. 
they, they had tremendous, you know, harmonies. Mm -hmm. And so we advanced from skiffle into rock and roll. Mm -hmm. But we never thought of um, a professional or semi-professional. At, at first, it was just hanging about the corner and mm -hmm. playing. But then we realized when rock and roll was really taken off, like in England, like yeah. Tommy Steele. Mm -hmm. I remember Tommy Steele. They said Tommy Steele was, you know, Britain's answer to, to, to Elvis. He was no way an answer to Elvis. No. Tommy, Tommy Steele um, got into, he's still in it today, into, you know, uh, big stage stuff. Yeah. Uh, because he's more, you know, an actor. Yeah. But uh, we got into the, the rock and roll scene. But as far as the family is concerned, no one in the family ever played an instrument. I was the first. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, that's some musical journey. But coming back to faith, were you brought up in a Christian home? How did mm. you come to know Christ? Because music and faith have been always tied so close together. They're like mm. left and right hand of our of your body. So tell us yeah. more about your upbringing. Is were you born in a Christian home? Talk to us about playing with them, with them, and your journey towards faith. Yeah, yeah. Well. East Belfast, you, like you wouldn't go very far without meeting a, a mm -hmm. mission hall or open air preachers. Mm -hmm. uh, it was quite, you know, the big thing, like 40s, 50s, even up to part of the 60s. But um, no, my parents were not Christians as such. They were God-fearing people, my parents. And they made sure I was sent to Sunday school. Mm -hmm. Now, I do believe my mom may have been a backslider. You know, because she would take me to meetings, you know, gospel meetings, mm -hmm. and she had that influence upon me. And uh, it just came to the point where, uh, when I got into the rock music, as far as church was concerned, it was out. So I, I never put, you know, I never darkened the door of a church until, um, you see, what, what happened was we, we got into semi-professional uh, music, mm -hmm. we had a day job. And we're traveling at the weekend and a mini bus or maybe traveling during the week to do a dance or a gig. Uh, and so I was working as a painter. I was a painter decorator. And, you know, you meet all sorts of guys in your workplace. And I met this guy. He was a Christian. Uh -huh. My idea of a Christian in those days, like, like others, I'm sure, to me, going to church was always dark suits and white shirts and a long face, you know. Um, no, I don't forget. I don't forget the long tie. The long, yeah, yeah. Uh, everything was sort of. It's like an undertaker. Yeah. In fact, and uh, of course, when you're a teenager, uh, you're right. Most teenagers will want to get a bit of life. So, but this guy came under the under the job, and he was not. A, he didn't wear a black suit. You see, he was a painter. He wore a white suit. <laughs> so right away, and then of course, I thought, you know. All these, you know, Christians, men anyway, that parked their hair in, in the middle, you know, whatever, with the sheet, the brooklyn. This guy, his hair just fell over his face. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but also, when he came into work, he was always singing or whistling. Mm -hmm. I can never understand that. Because the lifestyle I got into, we were drinking heavily. Every time we went on stage, we were, we didn't walk on, we staggered on. It was taking its toll upon my life, really was. I was mm -hmm. very depressed. And here's this guy coming in on a, even on a Monday morning. 
Uh-huh. You know, and I wondered, I wonder what he's on. I thought he was on something, you say, you know. And uh, so I began to ask him questions. And he was wise. As the Bible says, he who wins souls is wise. Yeah. Like he didn't get a Bible out and hit me with the head with it. Tell me he was going to go to hell. He just, like a good fisherman, he began to read me in, answered the questions. Mm-hmm. He lived the life. Mm-hmm. I saw some, something in his life. And that was the first, really, I would say, uh, uh, read interest. Uh, but a year later, uh, as I say, we're getting into uh, a band that was going places. Mm-hmm. Uh, the door knocked one night. Mm-hmm. It was Billy Harrison. See, back in those days, very few folks had a phone, mm-hmm. you know, because there were no mobiles. And the only phone was around the corner, the red box. Yep. So if you want if you wanted to see someone, you called at the house or sent them a letter. So he knocked at the door, and he, my mum says, there's someone at the door for you. It was Billy Harrison. He says, look, I'm starting a four-piece R&B with a blues man. He says, we need another guitarist and a fucking vocalist. Mm-hmm. And he says, we're going to call the band The Gamblers. He says, we have a lot of gigs. He says, we have a lot of free drink. I says, I'm your man. And so I got involved in it. Only problem was, it was the band that really depressed me. Yeah. Uh, as I say, working during the day, I mean, going on, you're, you're getting depressed. So mm-hmm. after about six, seven months, I said, look, I got to rethink my life. And that was the band, The Gambler? Pardon? Was that the band called The Gambler? It was The Gamblers. Yeah. They're called The Gamblers, yeah. And then what happened was, when I stepped out, they were short of a funding bonus. Mm-hmm. And uh, my free buddy, Paul Van, they asked him, he stepped in. And they changed the name from the gamblers to them. Yeah. And I used to see the minibus, the same minibus would travel up and down the country, but they were them. I wonder who they were. And it was the same band, only Van was another from the vocalist. And the stuff they were doing was up the street, you see, using the R&B. Mm-hmm. And within, what, three months, they're in the charts with Here Comes the Night. Yep. They got a number two, and then they went and got a number seven, uh, Baby, Please Don't Go. And I'm often asked, you know, when I'm interviewed on maybe radio or whatever, I've done some TV interviews, and when you come to the point where you're sure about what happened, a lot of saying, well, Bill, don't you think you, you missed something along the way? I says, tell me, what was it? He said, well, there's Van. Look at him. I says, do you know him? Because I know Van personally. They give me so often, he'll invite me out for lunch and we chat, right? And... Uh, Van's a wealthy man. He's worth about 60 million. Well, he has problems. Like we all have got problems. Mm-hmm. And we, as I said, we meet and he'll, he'll chat and he'll talk and all the rest. And there's this idea when we look at some superstar, they think they've got their life all together. They haven't. Elvis yeah. said this year before he died. He says, money is a good thing to go shopping with. Mm-hmm. Full stop. Now, I have no problem. I'd, I'd like to have 60 million. I could do a lot of things for, for the gospel or for church or for, mm-hmm. for charity. But at the end of the day, you see, it's not money's the problem. It's the love of money. It's the root of all evil, you know. And so I um, uh, I uh, came home about a year later after meeting this guy in work, uh, this Christian. And to come home, uh, my, my father took ill. He's rushed to hospital. Mm-hmm. He had three strokes. 
All that week, I was traveling up, you know, after work, up to the hospital. My mum was up there, and uh, I came home uh, one night early because I worked the next day. And God was yelling at me and, and my conscience. And God was saying, look, Bill, what would happen if you had it all together? All that you could get in the world and all this sort of stuff that you're seeking to be famous. And you're like your dad. And here, the thought just dropped, you can't take it with you. Mm-hmm. See, a year previous, this Christian, this Christian man, before I had left the job to go to another job, he says, remember this here, Bill. The Bible says, what would a profit a man if he gained the whole world? So, and that's, you know, the Spirit of God just took that. And that's what God was saying, yelling at me when I got to the hospital. I came home at 20, uh, at home, uh, about 9 o'clock, lit a cigarette, put on the TV. In those days, there's only two boring channels, BBC One, BBC Two. Mm-hmm. So I put on some rock and roll stuff, you know, Elvis and others. And it was really... God was yelling at me. And I put on one final uh, track. It was Elvis singing four gospel songs. And the song that spoke to me was this here. There will be peace in the valley for me. Mm-hmm. Here's a king of rock and roll. President never had peace. You know, really, with all that he had. He was used. Mm-hmm. Like he should never have gone to Las Vegas. He was used. You know, mm-hmm. he burned out. He really literally burned out. But he was crying for help. And that song spoke to me. And I just felt as in the same shoes, without the money, of course, you know, that he had. And I got down on my knees. I grew up in a little kitchen house, see Spellfast, Greenville School. I lived in 16, George Hill lived in 28, I think it was. Val Morrison was in Hankford Street, same type of houses. And I got out, down on my knees, cried out to God. Now there's no musician there, and there's no preacher. And so to atheists who says it's all emotion, that's what an atheist says. You've gone to some religious gathering and it's all been emotion. All that week, God was speaking into my life. Mm-hmm. There's no musician. It wasn't emotion. It was genuine. And what happened was when I got up, my life was completely changed. Mm-hmm. All the heavy drinking, I was a heavy gambler, seven cards, stud quarter, heavy smoker, all that. And on top of that, I had a problem with my health. I yeah. uh, had chronic bronchitis. Mm-hmm. God healed me in the smart. Literally healed me in the smart. And uh, since then, my life changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's incredible. That was in the year that you described that changed your life. It was in 1965, isn't that correct? 65. That's the, yeah. that's the year that, that the, the, the band really hit. Uh, they, yeah. they took off them. They got the church, yeah. I know you got your guitar handy. Would you like us to play a song? That mean that means a lot to you about your conversion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's a wonderful promise Jesus gave to all those who will receive him as their savior. Mm-hmm. And he says, when you gather together as a group, whether it be a small group or a large group, he said, where two or three are gathered together in my name. He says, I'm out in the midst. Now at this present moment, now, the world's in a mist. Yeah. You know, the, don't know what's going to happen. I watch the news tonight about this, you know, this lockdown going to open up, and yet they're not too sure. So mm-hmm. the whole world's in the midst, but Jesus stands in the midst of his people. He's where you are at this moment, where I am at this moment, right around the world. Thank God he's there. And this song says, He's in the midst.
listening he is in the midst of your life right now in this situation so on this musical journey you have the choice you have this and then God speaks to you what did your bandmates think of your decision to follow Jesus Christ such as Val and George what was their reaction were they happy for you or did they think well, that you were nuts and what happened yeah. afterwards how, how well, what happened she had left the bands Mm -hmm. uh, which meant that she sort of, I didn't cut off, you know, uh, with them, but with them touring, I had no contact. And so what happened there was um, about three months later, uh, my girlfriend, who I 
finally married, we were going to, you know, Christian events. And there used to be a big Christian event in uh, the city, mm. in the YMCA hall on a Saturday night. So we went there and uh, they were actually showing a film of a preacher called Billy Graham. I never heard of Billy Graham, you know. Like I heard of Elvis and all that. And so we went, and really it's amazing. Now I, I had no idea, no, no desire to be a preacher. In fact, what happened, Michael, was I felt that music to me had become my God. Mm -hmm. It really had become my God. I just loved it. And so I said, when I became a Christian, I'll never sing again. Sold all my gear, all the stuff, you know, get rid of it all. And that was it. It's going to settle down as an old married man, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But here, as Billy Graham is preaching, now, Billy Graham, he's now with the Lord, you know, he's yeah. in heaven. But he reads so many people through his gospel preaching, like thousands came to Christ. But what people don't know is, also God used him to call many into the ministry. Yeah. So I could take you to the very seat where I was sitting. Mm -hmm. And as he was preaching on this large screen, he just pointed the finger and I just saw God pointing at me. Mm -hmm. And I heard this voice deep in my spirit, I want you for the ministry, to be a real pastor or whatever. And that never left me. Mm -hmm. And so after three months, only a young Christian, a baby in, in, in the Christian faith, God now calls me. Now, I, I must say this here, Michael, schooling was never my uh, number one sort of uh, interest. The only thing I liked about school was the half past three bell to get out and play my music, you know. Mm. And I hear God's calling me to Bible college. And uh, we were about to get married. In fact, we got married. And, uh, and I was busy. What it, what it did then was, of course, when God gave me back the music to sing, mm -hmm. I started a gospel group. Mm -hmm. And we toured around Northern Ireland, different places. They heard about this rock singer. Uh, he's, got, he's got saved. And you know what it's like in Northern Ireland in those days? But God was still calling me to uh, go to Bible college. And after a couple of years, we had our first child. And I thought that's the end of it. Like, no way could we afford this to go to Bible college. But, you know, God can make a way where there is no way. Amen. As Moses, you know, and the children of Israel stood at the, the Red Sea, there was no way back because Pharaoh's troops were coming down. And there's no way forward. None of those old folks could swim. So who made the way? God made a way through the problem. And he made the way, praise God. My wife, uh, Iris, now she's with the Lord today. The Lord yeah. called her home. And uh, she sacrificed. We went back to live with my mom. And while she worked, I went to Bible college for the first term, come back. And it's amazing how Christians gathered around and supported us. I do believe with all my heart the devil wants to keep every Christian out of the center of God's will. Mm -hmm. But once you step into the center of God's will, God's there to lead you on. He makes a way where there is no way. I often say, I remember someone asked me when we were passing a church, what's the center of God's will? I said, well, look, every, every Christian's in the will of God. But my heart's desire has always been to be in the center. And I would take a stone, and if you throw a stone into a pond, it makes ripples. And every ripple is in that, in that pond or in that pool. But the one that I want to be is the first ripple near to the rock. And the closer we get to the rock of ages, Jesus himself, yeah. you know, 
that's where we are actually walking in the will of God. Not everybody's called to be a pastor, an evangelist, a missionary. But here's what Jesus said in John's gospel. He says, you have not chosen me. I have chosen you, and I have ordained you to go forth. Bear fruit that your fruit should remain. And perhaps someone watching this telecast, this you know, broadcast here will think, well, I can't do anything for the Lord. You could do many things. Amen. Just get me to the rock, you know. That's it. Really. Amen. So, that, so you, went from, you went from Bible college. Uh, the Lord looked after you and your family, provided for you. Yeah. When, what was the first church you began to pastor, and how long were you in ministry for? Because I know you're still in music ministry now, but how long were you in the ministry for? Before that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I would say when God spoke to me, it took about seven years before I finally got to Bible college. Yeah. I was over in England, Capel. That's my <laughs> wife's dad, you know, and with my mum. And uh, so I was there three months, came back. So we did, I did the training. Then, of course, after you come out of Bible college, there's further training. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's amazing. God must have a sense of humor, really. Like, see in school, as I said, I had no interest. But thank the Lord, I finished up with a BA. You know, you know. in fact, I often say, I, I got three BAs. That's mm -hmm. right. See, when I was born, I was a bad article. BA. Mm -hmm. Then, in my 20s, I got born again, BA. Went to college, I got a Bachelor of Arts. But the one in the middle is so, is so important. You can have all these degrees and still be a law soul. Mm -hmm. But anyway, our first church was in England, mm -hmm. in a place called Bishop Auckland, in the northeast. Cold place, I can tell you, cold place. Even the penguins had boots on, you know, so cold. Right down the northeast. And we spent there a few years there. Then we were moved to Scotland, Mm -hmm. A place called Kirk and Tillich, just outside Glasgow. Mm -hmm. I say Glasgow. And so uh, it's amazing. You had the northern accent near to the Geordies. And we were getting used to that, and they were getting used to our accent. Then we moved to Scotland. So we had to adjust our ears to their <laughs> accent. It's amazing how God can move in your life. But I always felt, I really did, I always felt my calling was back to Northern Ireland. Mm. And so we, we, were, we were asked to go back. And our first church was in Coleraine. Then we went from there to Banbridge. And then I always, you see, although as a pastor, my, my main calling was, was evangelism. Mm -hmm. And I would always do crusades and missions in the church. We put up tents. And so we went to Banbridge where there were about maybe six and a half or seven years. And God led us out into, for five years, traveling evangelists. What I'm doing now, you know, traveling around churches and singing, preaching. Then we came back in to pastor. Our last church before, excuse the, the term, I don't like it, retirement. Mm -hmm. You know, before you reach that age of retirement, well, let me say, I'm not retired, I'm active retired. Mm -hmm. But our last church was in Brookborough. Mm -hmm. And we did a lot of, a lot of outreach, missions, tent missions, because they're in Fermanagh. You have the country for doing it, you know, that part of the world. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I understand that, church, really. And I know Brooke well. My friend, uh, Pastor Nathan Johnson, he's a good friend of mine, and I've spoken on his live stream, and that yeah. heart for mission evangelism has not changed. Well, he was a boy mm. when we were the pastor there. His father's one of the deacons in the church. Yeah. And his mother, Margaret, she was, uh, 
he was my organist. Yeah. And see Margaret Johnson. Margaret is she really she had a lovely voice, great voice. She was recorded like myself. But she she would play the organ, I played the guitar. Mm-hmm. And the, see the meetings, the, the things just lifted, you know. Mm-hmm. Tremendous. Really good, good things, uh, you know. Yeah. So, all that in ministry, and then you lose, then the wife calls ours, the God calls ours home. Was there any point in your life where you were angry at God or you felt that He was far away from you yeah. in, yeah. in ministry yeah. or lost your wife? I think, if everybody's honest, I think we have to say that there's times in which you think God is far from you. Mm-hmm. Like you think of Elijah, like Elijah runs from Jezebel because we know the story about how he calls fire down from heaven and he mm-hmm. defeats the Baal prophets. And but the man was completely drained. Mm-hmm. He runs into the wilderness and he asks God to take his life. He made a mistake when he asked God to take his life. God answered his prayer, but he didn't take his life. He took him home to the paradise, mm-hmm. and he told he told Elijah. He says, look, you go and anoint Elisha. You take your place. Mm-hmm. Now, Elijah never died. I do believe he'll come back again. That's mm-hmm. my take on it, you know. And I do believe every one of us have those moments like Elijah. We feel like giving up. You know, like the body goes through a different cycle, circumstances. But although the thought comes, let's face it, if the devil would have the nerve to tempt the Son of God, and say to him, if you are the son of God, prove it. Mm-hmm. Just a few verses before that, the father said from heaven, this is my beloved son. You know. Mm-hmm. And But here's the devil trying to put down. And yes, there, I've never been angry with God. I must say, I've never been angry. And even when Iris went home to heaven. Now, here's what I do say. And I tell God this regular. Lord, I don't understand you. But I trust you. Mm-hmm. And the man of the preacher, I don't care who he is, whether he's on TV or whatever, and, or big name, whatever, if he says, no, I don't have those problems, he's a liar. I know. He's a liar. That's mm-hmm. right. Because the devil attacks, he tempts every one of us. The Bible talks about, you know, about temptation, the thoughts that the devil puts in your mind. It's amazing through it all. And Everett is in heaven at this time. Mm-hmm. And thank God, in a sense, she's there. Uh, no, I often say, as David prayed, they, my family here in heaven, they can't come to me, but I will go to them one day. And he calls me home to heaven. But you know, it's exciting how the Lord's led me on, you know, from that, you know, like for about four or five years at a television broadcast, mm-hmm. as on, you know, on Sky TV, uh, mm-hmm. with on the, go- the gospel channel. Yeah. And, uh, and it's amazing what, just when you make yourself available, getting angry with God gets us nowhere. Mm-hmm. But being honest with God gets us everywhere. Amen. Mm-hmm. That's it, you know. Yeah. So what does Jesus mean to you now? And what, as we close, before you sing your next song, what would you say to someone listening right now? Well, this song would sum it up, like, you know, and We all need a friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when we're happy, you know, uh, things are going, well, things are not. But a friend who'll, who'll walk in when everybody else walks away. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus does. He's always waiting until we've tried everything else. And he's waiting in line. It's amazing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. He doesn't push his way. He's just waiting for us to, to ring that, that number. His telephone number is 
Jeremiah 333, call unto me and I will answer you. Mm -hmm. And I will show you great and mighty things that you don't even know. And this final song, and it's blessed so many people. It just simply says, Jesus is all I need. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a, it's a collection of songs I've built over the years. And I just put them together and says, then Jesus has met my need. And to anyone who's reaching out and searching, Jesus is who you need. Mm -hmm. Once you open your heart, it says, to as many as received him by faith. So then he gives power, the authority to become a child of God. And then God's spirit comes into you. And as you learn, as you grow, it's amazing the journey he takes you on. Jesus is all I need. Amen. Amen. Share the song. Yep. Go ahead. Enjoy, folks. Is all I need. Is all I need. Jesus is all I need. Is all I need. Is Is more Yes, man. 
Pastor Bill has rightly uh, said that the Lord. Oh, sorry about that. Sorry about that, Reagan. Yep. No, no, it's not a problem. These things happen. If you hear, yeah. if you hear any other rat guard noises from my end, I have a kitten who likes to interrupt my broadcast and say hello. I am here. So excuse that. But anyway, no, as Pastor Bill said, he is here. There, you're on a bringing world. Don't give up. God can use you. I just want to close and pray. I want to thank Bill for just coming on this episode of Stories of Hope. And I pray that you will find the hope of the gospel, that Jesus Christ mm -hmm. can change your life and change it for the better. So I'm just going to pray. And if you at home or wherever you're listening to this, if you were never brought up in a Christian home, we want to follow Christ, or if you're a backslider, just repeat this prayer after me. The only thing I'll ever ask of you is just get in touch with a local Bible-believing church and get planted. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are all on a journey. But you, Lord, you formed us in our mother's womb. So I'm asking tonight that if there's someone here who doesn't know you, has fallen away, that yeah. they will come to know you. Oh. If that is you, just repeat this prayer. So me a few lines and mean it with all your heart. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Forgive me of all my sin and all my shame. Thank you I made you by what you've done for me of that cross. Lord, I believe you. I trust you for all my days are in your hands. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. And I thank you that you'll keep me. Help me to serve you. Help me to follow you for the rest of my days. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Bell, for joining us. I pray God richly blesses you in your ministry. Tune yeah. in uh, next week for another episode of Stories of Hope. Take care, everybody. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you, Bill. God bless you, mate. Bye-bye.